I'm not a huge fan of New Year's resolutions. I guess occasionally I'll pick a New Year's resolution and stick to it, but I think cumulatively, general life changes should occur at any time in the year, and the notion that the New Year is a particular point of life change, I'm not necessarily sympathetic with. But one thing that I wanted to start doing, in some regard due to changes in my health and just feeling older, is putting more time, more energy into just saving money and, you know, being a bit more of a tightwad than I've historically been. The world has been very good to me financially, and in terms of my work and in terms of a variety of things, I'm more than comfortable. But I've thought recently that I just probably should put more time into not necessarily going down whimsies and exploring various things which a little bit of money makes a little bit easier. So part of this is saving money, and part of this is not buying whimsical things. And I've done pretty well, up until yesterday, when I saw a Jewish Brigade badge from the Second World War on eBay. I thought, mm, this is an easy purchase, and I bought it. And I felt a little bit guilty about doing it, because it kind of breaks the whole not going down things of whimsy line and this kind of stuff. But there's something very special about the Second World War to me, and... I think it's something that I'm trying to understand because I've gone through a certain degree of deconstruction associated with just my general interest in history. I've been a long-time reader of history. In fact, the only books that I continue to buy are history books. When I go into a bookstore, I'll typically go straight for the history section and usually immediately in the Second World War history to look for something that I haven't seen previously or something that might be new or interesting to me. And it's a very difficult section to look at critically because a lot of times I've owned a lot of the books that are there. I mean, I've really explored this aspect of the history genre to an extreme. Less so the Pacific than Europe and North Africa. But it's very strange going into a secondhand bookstore and just saying, read that, read that, read that, read that. Own that, gave that away, read that, still have that, read that. And this seems to be the way in which I've experienced the Second World War in terms of my general reading. Now I'm starting to think maybe I should start doing like plastic models or something like that. I mean, something which is a physical craft element associated with the Second World War. But really, I don't have the manual dexterity. I never have had the manual dexterity. But my manual dexterity is not improving, and I think in general, I don't want to be tied to something which is just more stuff. And to this end as well, I've decided to collect my miniatures, primarily my Second World War miniatures, and just send them down to a painter in San Diego and have them painted. The physical amount of lead that I have, well, it's not lead anymore, it's pewter or something like that, but just the physical constraints of having this much stuff in a metallic form and an unpainted form, it's kind of boring to me. But I've started to ponder what is it about the Second World War that is so familiar to me, and why do I still want to be intellectually challenged associated with this period of time? And I've started to think of it almost the way that people have a religion. Like the ability to read about and reflect upon and put myself into that Second World War frame of mind is something that I really enjoy doing almost to a kind of spiritual level. The more that I think about this, the more that I think about religious pursuits and the kind of ways that people practice religion and what it does to their brain chemistry associated with, you know, familiar things and chants and songs and prayers and all these kind of things are ritualized in some way that gives the human 
a sense of comfort. And it's very curious, particularly when you look at the number of people that were killed, the number of family members that were killed through the Second World War, that you return to this period as an almost kind of fantastic thing. I mean, this is really what interests me about the notion also of superhero comics. Forget religion. Let's talk about superhero comics. My perspective is the Second World War created the true superheroes, certainly for me. And I've gone back. There was a comic book series called commando which is still in print although they're just reprinting the old comic books i think i think that's why it's operating now in any case it was very big in the uk and in australia and i found various australian collectors that would send small groups of these things they're small comic books i don't know what you'd call them maybe four inches by three inches maybe five inches by four inches in size not very big and they're all black and white, and the plots are pretty cheesy, and the artwork isn't that great. And actually holding them in my hand and also buying occasional ones on, what is it, Amazon Kindle, I have a sense that really this is not what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is a serious book, a serious history book that I can sit with and read about on a periodic basis. And now I've acknowledged this as a thing, now I've understood it in the context of you know, ideas of religion and mind space and what it does to my mind, I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable with it in a personal sense. But there's a secondary part to this, right? Religions aren't just about single individual humans having these experiences. It's about doing it in a collective group. It's about feeling part of a community. And in that regard, certainly <laughs> the way that I found this jewish brigade patch was that i'm a member of the jewish brigade facebook group and i saw the patch promoted by the facebook group and i thought for this amount of money this is going to be something that's going to be very interesting and somewhat topical now my grandfather who was in the eighth army did not participate in the jewish brigade but his cousins did his cousins not only participated in the jewish brigade but then as many of these folks did went on to fight in israel's war for independence and what you see through this is a history, I think, of, in one sense, almost gang-like mentality. I mean, the nature of the way these groups organized were very akin to street gangs. And in talking about street gangs and the way that they evolve, and also things like organized crime, you see a lot of similarities with how, you know, my grandfather's cousins organized, but also just the cycle and then returning back to Leeds, which is where they were from originally. None of them stayed in Israel. I mean, they went via the U.S., which is interesting. Because I had their immigration records in the U.S. and went up onto Israel and came back to the U.K. So it's an interesting thing associated with the Jewish Brigade patch. But so that is a community. Immediately, I got some endorphinal feedback because the fellow who runs the Facebook page, who's also selling the patch on eBay, got back in contact with me and told me about his experiences. But again, these are small and far between. There is not, well, I don't know. Maybe I need to investigate. Maybe I need to investigate if there are Second World War historians that live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Maybe I need to attend a meetup associated with people that like Second World War history. Maybe this is actually taking this continuum to a level that I need to be at. One of the things that I reflect upon is just the density of people that understood or even had any inkling of interest in the Second World War was far greater in the UK. And it's one of the things that I reflect upon that here, you know, the Second World War is Saving Private Ryan, to a certain extent Band of Brothers. It's TV shows that are about the Second World War. 
I mean, you know, people talk about the Tuskegee Airmen and all this other stuff, but it's not an invasion, right? It's not an invasion that's going to happen immediately. And what's interesting to me is I've, I've gone into the uh, operations that never happened aspect of the Second World War. I'm really getting into that level of fantasy in terms of my own exploration of this particular topic. And what interests me through this is Operation Sea Lion, and in particular, how the UK perspective and the potential for Operation Sea Lion, the whole, the whole thing about Operation Sea Lion, for folks who are listening in who are not familiar with Operation Sea Lion, it was the notion that the Nazis were going to invade the UK. And the Nazis were probably going to invade the UK after the Battle of Britain. I mean, the sense is somewhere between 41, I don't know, maybe 42, that very similar actually to what happened with D-Day, that the Germans were going to do the reverse, come over with, I think they had small trawlers. They weren't fishing boats. They were something even more bizarre than fishing boats. I can't remember what the... Anyway, small boats, basically. Lots of small boats all over to the UK, packed with Germans to invade. And what's fascinating to me is that this was something that was possible but never actually undertaken. Obviously, what was happening in, in, on the Russian front for the Germans was slightly more pressing and obviously what was happening in North Africa as well. But it is interesting, the notion that this thing, sea lion, the way in which British folk talk about it or write about it is very different than the way that Americans write about it and slightly different to the way New Zealanders and Australians write about it as well. So what you end up with here is potential histories, speculative histories, written by people based on the nature of the possibility and the psychology of the possibility in the folks that write about it. Now, obviously, this is not academic for anyone on mainland Europe. On mainland Europe, particularly, well, the western side of mainland Europe, the Germans basically did what the Germans needed to do. They got to the sea, and the absolute horror that occurred in this process is pretty unimaginable. And in its unimaginability you get a series of interesting schisms, which I think still affect people to this day. The notion that the Second World War is not something in history, but actually is still living currently in a variety of different incantations is something that I reflect on considerably. It's one of the curious things about living in this country, in the US in particular, that um, there's no learning associated with wars and these kind of things. So maybe what I should do is pursue interested folk in the Bay Area, see if there is such a movement here, and consider that within that movement, what am I going to get through that? Is this going to be like a pseudo-religious thing? What could I get out of it? I'm even speculating. I don't know. I haven't looked to see if there's anything like that here. But I do reflect quite heavily on the comfortable late evening time that I spend reading these kind of histories and the great benefit and insight that I get through it still. This is, on some part, desperately hanging on to old stuff. It's probably far better that I cleanse myself of this part of my intellectual existence and just realise this is a, a throwback to times past. Now, when I go back to Australia and New Zealand, as it turns out, in March, a good portion of the trip is about talking to great uncles. My father's father's brother and my father's mother's brother are still alive. And I hope to meet with those two gentlemen for quite some time while I'm there. And also my mother's mother's brother is still alive as well. 
So this is the final generation, right? In some regard. I mean, obviously there are people that are slightly older than my parents that remember the Second World War, but still small children, you know? Not adult-formed cognition, not a variety of things. So it's an interesting period. It's the final wanings, really, of the Second World War. And when I look at the Vietnam period, in similar light, in terms of something that I've studied, not perhaps quite as passionate associated with the Second World War, but still something that I've studied and something that I've found very curious in terms of its changes. The fact that the narrative of Vietnam has changed quite dramatically through my lifetime. I don't know. I don't know what happens to World War Two in this context. So this is a slightly shorter long funk than normal, but I just wanted to put it out there. I've got other topics to report on. Tom Barbelay, looking out over surprisingly little Second World War-related stuff. Signing out. <laughs>